Hey guys, it's Heaven from Just a Grown True Crime, and today I'm going to be telling you about this app called Anchor. It helped me start my podcast, and it can help you start yours. Anchor is a free app that lets you use it from your phone or your computer. So if you want to do it on the go, and you want to just record, you can record one. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more to get your own podcast out there. You can make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you want in just one podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I did. What are you waiting for? Hello, my true crime gurus. Welcome back to Just a Girl in True Crime. I am your host, Heaven. Sorry if you hear music in the background. It's my husband listening to music while he plays Ark. It's a computer game that he found somebody to play with. Tonight's case. We're finally going to do it. We are going to be talking about Tyler Hadley. Who threw a killer party. Literally. Okay? Now, I'm not going to get into all the background. Um... I heard about this case before, um, and one night I was on Facebook when I woke up at like 3 a.m., and I sat there from like 3 to like 4 just like reading this article, and I was like, all right, so I went to my Facebook and I saved it so I could just pull it up to do it. So, Tyler decided to throw a party, and he planned to make at the party of the year, this big shebang. Despite the fact that no one knew, or, you know, no one had ever heard of a kid throwing it, plenty of bored kids in South Florida where he lived actually decided to go check it out. Tyler attended Port St. Lucie High, and he claimed that his parents were out of town. So he's like, hey, you know, come over and my parents are going to be home. So let's throw this huge rager and let's do it. The entire week leading up to the event, Tyler had been telling his friends that he was going to have this party. But of course, nobody believed him. They're like, no, your parents are super strict. That's not happening. Your parents are going to let you throw a party. You're crazy. And no one's ever seen him throw a party. Because, like I said, his parents were strict. But his parents got increasingly strict with him after they discovered he was experimenting with drugs. (laughs) Which seems extremely reasonable that his parents would be more protective of their teenage son who had been been misbehaving, if I could speak today. Um, Yeah, you'd want to, like, tighten your grip on your kids, I guess. So, planning a fun night. Like I said, his friends didn't think the party was going to happen. They knew Tyler's parents, and they were like, there's no way his parents are going to let a whole bunch of kids come to their house and get drunk. Although his parents didn't give their consent, it's not uncommon for teenagers to throw parties when their parents go out of town. Unfortunately, that's not what happened here. Anybody who knows this case really knows what happened when Tyler's friends asked if the party was still happening he replied to them saying quote I'm working on it most of his classmates assumed that the party was off and it was just gonna be another uneventful evening in Florida however on July 16th in 2011 it was far from a boring day in fact It was likely the most shocking occurrence to ever happen to this town. At 11.25 a.m. on that Saturday morning, Tyler's friend Antonio Ramirez sent him a Facebook message. And they were talking about their plans for that night. And Tyler explained that he was trying to throw a party at my crib. When Antonio asked if his parents were in, were home, he said they were leaving soon. And this is a Facebook, 
a Facebook post that I'm going to read and everything. Tyler posted, party at my crib tonight, dot, 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 maybe a person named Justin. I'm not going to read their last names. Um, he said, let me know. And Tyler said, okay, baby. <laughs> and Daniel said, party, party, party. David said, I'm down. Jesse said, what's good with that? Tyler said, I don't know, man. I'm working on it. Kimberly said, I'm down. Winky face, let me know. And Tyler said, yeah. And Kimberly said, you live like two doors down from me. So I have a ride. My feet, LOLs. And then Jesse said, what you doing right now, bro? I'm trying to chill and drink. That was hard to read. Okay. Um, and then on 1.15 p.m., the party was almost officially on. Tyler wrote on Facebook, party at my crib, like I said. Um, but still, nobody was convinced. The maybe kind of threw everyone off. Like, huh, you're saying maybe... But then at 8.15, Tyler actually updated his Facebook status again, this time writing, party at my house, HMU, which means hit me up for all the old people who don't know what that is. And I actually, <laughs> I actually just read, it had in quotations, if you're old like me, HMU is an abbreviation for hit me up. <laughs> his parents will never allow it. His friends were still confused since they knew how strict his parents were. Ashley Hayes commented on the post, Whoa! What if your parents come home? Tyler's response was, They won't trust me. Which is an incredibly chilling in retrospect that the party was on. When Mike Young arrived with about 10 friends, the party was just getting started. Mike was this popular athletic 11th grader who only knew Tyler by his face. They really weren't friends, but Tyler had a distinctive look. He was tall, skinny, standing at 6 foot 1, and he weighed about 160 pounds. Getting the party started. At school, Tyler was a quiet kid. He didn't talk much. He was prone to the occasional sudden outburst in class. He hung out with potheads, which to that I say same, Tyler, because I did too in school. Juvenile delinquents, okay, and pill poppers. Alright, not the type of crowd Mike associated with, but it was a boring summer night and there was nothing else going on in Port St. Lucy, I think I read somewhere that this is like a spot for like where old people live um, and they go to like, like it's like a retirement where there's not a lot, not a lot of kids and Tyler's family live there. So, yeah, and a whole bunch of other kids. So they were like, this is boring. So, um, like I said, Nothing going on in the city, and it was just about 40 miles north of West Palm Beach. As a South Florida girl myself, this person said she can attest that there isn't much for teenagers to do ever, over there anyway. So, Tyler's like, we're about to light this up. Okay, so, yep. If I would read and actually know what I'm saying, I wouldn't have to repeat myself. Um, it was definitely... Like, for older people, it had, the town had over a half a dozen golf courses, 20, twice as many assisted living homes, seven funeral homes, and two bingo halls, and a shuffleboard club. A shuffleboard where you, um, is that where you, like, do that, like, stick thing with that puck and you, like, try to shuffle it? I think that's what it is. The best part about living in Florida is the beach, but the kids in Port St. Lucille, they never had, they didn't really have access to it. I mean, it's 40 miles away. So basically, there was no place for these high school students to attend or like hang out. And there's a giant arcade called Super Play USA. 
which self-advertises as a state of state-of-the-art family playground. As you can imagine, it gets old and boring rather quickly. Plus, it closes at midnight, so, you know, kids can't really do anything. Um, so, everyone thought, you know what? We might as well go to the party, because why not? Even the parks in Port St. Lucie were closed at night, which I'm pretty sure all parks are anyway. Like, you can't be there after, like, dark or whatever. So as soon as they word that a party was getting out, of course, everybody wanted to go check it out. After killing three hours in the mall in Stewart, about 20 minutes away, Mike and his friends actually decided to head to McDonald's and figured they might as well just stop by at Tyler's party. Because what else do you got to do? And you know what? I'm looking at this mugshot. Tyler wasn't a bad looking kid. I mean, he looked decent, looked, had a good head on his shoulders. Tyler opened the door when people started to arrive wearing a black t-shirt, black dickies, I'm with the daisies, and black Nike Air Force high top sneakers. He seemed a bit anxious. Well, as anxious as you can be on ecstasy. <laughs> so he was already lit. It was obvious that Tyler was rolling. His people... His pupils were enlarged, and he kept rubbing his hands together, clenching his fists nervously as well. Um, people wanted to smoke, and Tyler said, you know what, y'all can't smoke in the house because it was his parents' home, and he just felt like that was crossing the boundaries. Tyler, because what you did was right. Alright, so soon enough, there was, over, there was about 60 kids at this house, and most of them had no clue who Tyler was. They made themselves comfortable, scavenged, scavenged um, for food in the kitchen, drank excessively, and threw their beer cans onto their front lawn because, hey, it's not my party, it's not my house. And then, you know, honestly, it sounds like a regular high school party, right? The kids were enjoying themselves and they were playing beer pong on the dining room table. There were glass bottles breaking and shattering on the floor and cigarettes being put out on the rug, the counter, the walls. And you know what? At one point, he Tyler just laughed it off. And after he said, you know, you can't smoke in the house anymore, um, he then like told he like totally changed his mind he's like you know what you can smoke in my house I don't care because Tyler was more concerned about the noise that um he was that was about the destruction of his home um and he was more worried that his neighbors would actually call the police and that's when he was like you know what just smoke in the house you just actually stay in the house so we all don't get in trouble okay do whatever you want so people just started putting everything out everywhere Oh, some crazy pictures. Michael's on the couch talking with some girls when a very drunk skater who looked like one of Tyler's friends just like happened to stroll over and the drunk skater boy randomly said, you know what, I smell dead people. And that immediately caught Mike's attention. He was like, wait, what? Um, turning up the jams. Confused, Mike, you know, was like, what do you mean, man? And the kid was like, oh, I just, I don't know. Some people are smoking, that's all. And Mike was actually weirded out, but figured the kid was acting strange because just because he was wasted. And then the skater boy, you know, he just, like, wandered off. He came up and was like, hey, guys, I smell dead people. Someone was like, huh? And he's like, you know what, I don't even know. So, yeah, you know. Um, a huge group of kids gathered around the living room table, which was now the beer pong table. And the table was located right next to the family computer, where kids took turns on YouTube, DJing, and picking songs. Mike put on Wiz Khalifa's No Sleep. Um, and some songs from Lil Wayne's mixtape, like Toonchi's Back and Racks, which... Facts bring back the songs. Yes, 
Um, the computer area was dirtier more than the rest of the house. The white keyboard was actually covered in brownish, sticky, dried up liquid. Maybe Coca-Cola, but probably alcohol. And nobody actually really looked closely enough to tell. They just noticed it was this substance that was sticky and brown. So they were like, we don't care. Um, and then a person named Jose Erzo, Erzoa was another teenager who then showed up at the party. I'll post these pictures on my Instagram. Um, this was a soft-spoken 17-year-old with straight black hair parted an angle over his forehead. And he was playing a game of beer, beer pong when he heard someone utter, Oh, he killed his parents. Everyone laughed, assuming it was a kind of, some kind of joke, and Jose, you know, then won 15 games of beer pong in a row, which, okay. So, who's, who said, who muttered that, saying, oh yeah, you know, his parents are super strict, there's no way he would let, there's no way they would let him throw this party. And then someone was like, oh yeah, he killed his parents, like, y'all thought that was funny? Like... Maybe it was just like, you know what, maybe you're like the skater guy and you're drunk. But as the night went on, people asked where Tyler's parents were, and he actually gave them different answers, and he told Mark Andrews that they went to Georgia, and he told Ryan Stonesiffer that they were in Orlando. And then he told Richard as well that they don't even live there, and that this is his house. So... I mean, yes, Georgia and Florida, they're close on the map, but I mean, that's two di that's in two different states, guys. I mean, come on. Mark Andrews was a 21-year-old who actually met Tyler when Mark's family moved to Port St. Lucie 11 years earlier. Tyler was his was best friends with Mark's younger brother, and the families lived actually right down the street from each other. Once Tyler showed up at Andrew's house at 10 years old after getting into a fight with his mother. And I guess their friendship <laughs> blossomed from there. Oh, this is my song. He announced then, at that time, that he would actually like to kill his parents. Mark explained to Tyler that all kids piss off their parents once in a while, which helped Tyler calm down a lot. The boys laughed it off, and they seemed like it was a, was an in-the-moment thought. Not something Tyler was actually capable of doing. They're like, yeah, he, they just made him so mad. He said some words to be spiteful. I'm you. Marky Phillips was one of Tyler's buddies who couldn't make it to the party because he was in Chicago visiting his grandparents that weekend. All I gotta say is... Boy, did he luck out. I, I mean, I think he lucked out. However, he and Tyler did hang out two nights before watching television and playing games at Marky's house. According to Marky, Tyler seemed pretty fine that night. But he also noted that when they hung out two weeks before, Tyler had blurted out that he wanted to kill his parents and have a big party after in the middle of the conversation. Tyler explained how no one has ever done anything like that, like throw a massive party while the bodies are still inside the house. So he's already telling people about this plan, especially Marky. Marky, I'm not blaming you, or I'm not blaming this person, but I mean, if you found out that your friend was having a party and you noticed that he wanted, he was gonna, he said this stuff, and then two weeks later. He has the party, and now he says his parents are out of town. I mean, click two. I would click two and two together. But then again, you don't expect your friend to go kill their family. Marky told Tyler, actually, that was crazy. But he understandably thought Tyler was just kidding around. And it seems like a lot of people thought Tyler was kidding. It sounded like some kind of twisted joke almost. It's difficult to comprehend anyone killing their parents, 
let alone your friend and a classmate. So naturally, no one took Tyler seriously when he spoke up about killing his parents. On, we're going to go back a little bit and to see why he was um, punished. Oh man, I'm going to hate this word, but I'm going to say it. On July 2nd in 2011, two weeks before the party, Tyler actually spoke to his friend Mercedes Maxine Marco through Facebook chat, explaining that his mother had taken away his cell phone. He said, this is quote, She's a cunt, for show. I might kill her. So, I'm, I laughed at the part. It's not funny that his parents are actually dead. Um... I listened to Morbid do a do the Tyler Henley story, and they were like, "Fa show." If you know Morbid, you know. So that that was just a little faux show was funny. Not the, I'm not laughing at that he might kill her. Anyway, Mercedes assumed he was joking. Replied with, "OMG, no jail!" Explanation point explanation point, and then she said, "Or I mean prison, lol." Jail, prison, same thing. The LOL at the end proves that Mercedes' mind didn't really even go there. She didn't even suspect that he might be serious. Tyler also spoke to Matthew Noble that weekend, his 17-year-old friend and classmate at um, his high school. A killer party. At about 9.40 a.m. on the day of the party, Matt asked Tyler if he had done it. To which he replied, no, but I'm gonna. Matt's incriminating response was, bet? Which, I didn't think that was a thing until like, a couple like weeks ago or whatever, when people were like, oh, I'm gonna pull up and they're gonna be like, okay. Or just be like, bet. He then wrote, you really should now. Followed by a message saying, do it. Tyler reassured his friend that he was going to go through with the crime. Which actually I did not know about that until I just read it to you right now. I didn't know that actually happened. Tyler told Matthew, Tyler told Matt not to worry and he planned on killing his parents. Then having a party. I would like to think that Matt also thought this was some sick joke. Maybe he was egging him on in a bit, but probably because he didn't think Tyler would actually kill his own parents. Either way, Matt was excited for that evening and responded, I'm not repeating this last word. Yeah, party time N-word. That's not something I say. I don't like saying it. Whew. Needless to say, like we've said already, it was this city was not built for teenagers in fact the city is literally named after people with eye problems the town was created by frank elliott and robert mackle three brothers who were trying to profit off the mass migration of retirees to south florida so yeah it's not it's not a thing in 1961 the markles actually bought 40,000 acres of swamp and pine flatwood forest about 100 miles north of Miami, and subdivided the land into plots measuring 80 by 125 feet, and then brought, bought full pages of ads in Life in Newsweek that promised the pleasure of the Florida dream. And we're going to, I'm about to tell you a little bit of the Florida dream. The ad included a young girl with blonde hair holding an enormous beach ball in her arms beneath a palm tree, a graying man with two beautiful women steering a motorboat, and blueprints hyping a modern design of fun-filled, sun-filled space-age homes. I mean, yeah, if I was old, I'd want to move there. These photos, of course, were fantasies concerning the land they actually bought was still a swamp, but the price was convincing. You can buy a home in Port St. Lucie for just $10 down, and $10 a month, way cheaper than the expensive retirement communities down the coast. Although you have to keep paying for the rest of your life, $10 a month is more than affordable. And to that I say facts. A growing population. St. Port Lucie's population increased 
and by 1980 it had grown to 15,000 residents and the city started sprawling inland and overtook I-95 nine miles from the coast. But at the end of the height of the real real estate boom to 2006, Boom St. Lucie's population reached over 150,000 people, making it the fastest growing city in the United States at the time. Um, alright, and one last thing, and then we'll get into Tyler's parents a little bit. The suburban lanes were built so quickly that no one ever bothered to make sure the streets' names were spelled correctly. If you drive through the city today, you will pass Galaxy Street, Voltaire Terrence, Hershey Circle, Twilight Terrence. These names were intended to give the former swampland a luster of sophisticated grandeur. Grandeur, I think I'm pronouncing that right, was automatically, was actually the name of Tyler Street and where the Hadley family had been living since 1987. I wasn't even a thought yet. So, Blake and Mary Jo Hadley moved to Fort Lauderdale to move from Fort Lauderdale to Port St. Lucie 24 years earlier so that they could be closer to Blake's parents who retired in the neighboring town, Stewart. Port St. Lucie was gutted by the real estate crash, but Tyler's parents had recession-proof jobs. Blake worked at an engineer at the St. Lucie nuclear power plant for three decades. That's a long time. It was like 30 years. And Mary Jo was an adored elementary teacher. No matter who you were, even if she didn't like you, she would never give up on you, and to that I say, oh, I wish I had a mom like Mary Jo. Said, and this was said by Cameron Adams, one of Tyler's friends and Mary Jo's former students. So, Pot St. Lucie. During high, Tyler's high school years, um, Port St. Lucie was known for two things, and the first thing I just mentioned, obviously marijuana. The New York Mets used to hold their spring training camp there and marijuana. During the real estate boom, dealers from Miami started empty, buying empty houses <clears throat> for as little as $50,000. That's crazy. And pimping them out with LED lights and, hyd and hydroponic systems. Okay, so yeah. I mean, that's pretty smart, not going to lie. Smoking weed was so common over there that the city got a new nickname called Pot St. Lucie. In 2006, an investigation began by the local and federal law enforcement agencies, and they busted 69 pot farms in the city. But the phenomenon persists. That's a lot of pot farms y'all busted. Um, they were still out there, according to Joseph Waddle, a recent graduate from St. Lucie West Central High School. Marijuana is out of control. It's everywhere, and you can't go to a party without smelling the air. I mean, marijuana is just a normal thing. I mean, not at all. As the population grew in St. Lucie's, so did the median age. More than a third of the town's residents were now actually under 24 years old. High school students consistently complained about having nothing to do. Unfortunately, it's not common for teenagers to get bored and pass the time by smoking some weed, which, same. Well, not before I had kids, guys. Before I had kids. What? <laughs> no one asked you. <laughs> Joseph Waddle explained that the night, the whole, that the whole mindset of Lucy is that it's boring, so I'm not going to do anything but throw a party. Terry Nijin, a senior at the high school and one of Tyler's friends, said, In other towns, there are places where teens can hang out, but not at Port St. Lucie. Alright. Um. Alright. 
little bit more information. I lost my place, sorry. Anthony Snook, a lanky 20-year-old with an ironic mustache. He must sound fancy. Also called the town boring, which seems like everyone does. While shopping for a new glass pipe at 420 Peace Avenue, he said that the boredom drives the kids nuts. There are no role models, and the parents are always on everyone's asses because everyone's stressed about money. I get that. For a city without any rough neighborhoods, there is a surprising number of crimes. Um, most of them are committed by bored young people. Within months of Tyler's infamous party, a 19-year-old and 16-year-old were actually arrested for having inappropriate relations with at least one and maybe two 14-year-olds. That's disgusting. Then an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old were arrested after breaking into a house and shooting a couple during a robbery. And then a group of 14-year-olds vandalized a home that cost over $10,000. If my, let me tell you, if my, one of my kids ever caused that much home damage to a home, we're going to have problems. I'll take you to jail myself. If that wasn't enough, another 14-year-old was found strolling in the streets in a daze with a noticeable head wound. He was wearing nothing but underwear, more teenage robbers carrying skateboards, even videotaped themselves ransacking local chain stores, and they jumped a six-foot stack of Pringle cans. Oh, sorry. And they jumped into a six-foot stack. I was going to say, wow, you guys jumped over that. That's pretty, uh, that was pretty interesting. Nope, I read it wrong. They skateboarded, they skateboarded into huge stacks of paper towels at Kmart. They ran through the aisles of Target with their arms outstretched like they were preparing for a marathon. And cleared the shelves of pillows, bread, and dog food. You can see them laughing hysteric hysterically on the footage. I mean, they're teenagers, they're bored. I mean, just like one town I used to live in, Johnstown, I used to call, I used to say we lived in a fishbowl because there was nothing, and I mean nothing you could do there. And that was, that was a bad town to live in. So basically this is what happens to a bunch of teenagers without fully, a fully developed frontal lobe, and they have too much time on their hands. And for people who don't know what that is, when you turn 25, is it 25, babe? For what? what? For your frontal lobe to fully grow? Mm -hmm. Yep, okay. 25, your brain fully develops because um, my father-in-law, my husband's three years older than I am. So, I'm 24. He's 28. Um, when he turned 25, his dad was like, oh... I can finally have a conversation with you because your brain's fully developed. And I just remember looking at him like, what the, are you stupid? No, I guess that's an actual thing. Boredom can actually make a person crazy, which is why I strongly believe that it's important for children to have hobbies. Right, so that was just a little side note. Um, you know, and they're just really doing things without regarding for society rules and regulations. According to the local psychotherapist Fran Sherman who was shown in the video they're getting a joy out of torturing people and things so back to um, Tyler's party I almost said Ryan because I read this thing and that was just a little backstory of that and I wanted to share that in my thing with you so you're welcome by midnight there were over a there were a hundred of people and two dogs at the Hadley residence, a black Labrador named Sophie and an and an old half deaf and blind beagle. Sophie was missing and the beagle was hiding in Tyler's older brother's room and his name was Ryan. Ryan actually just moved to North Carolina for or college six weeks prior before any of this happened. Oh my god, if you guys look at these photos, like, his parents' bedroom, if that's this bedroom, it is a mess. The party only lasted several hours, but the room looked like thieves had ransacked the place. 
clothes and bed sheets were all over the place and the bed frame was cracked and the beagle was shaking under the bed probably because she was scared at that time stephanie casadina showed up at the party with her friend josh court she didn't know tyler well but she had a little crush on him he was standing there awkwardly next to his mother's computer chatting with some friends Stephanie went to the bathroom where she then found the beagle hiding in the shower. William Goodall had known Tyler since the sixth grade, but they grew apart um, after Tyler's first years of high school when he started smoking weed, which, okay, you could have still been friends with him, but hey. He couldn't tell whether Tyler was acting particularly particularly damn it that's wrong you guys know what I'm saying strange because he was acting he didn't know he was acting strange because he was always acting a little off need more beer about 1230 a.m. the party was running low on alcohol and Tyler asked 21 year old Mark and his friend I'm sorry his girlfriend Ashley if they would drive him down to the gas station just a block away Tyler gave Mike, obviously like I said it was 21, a wad of $20 bills and asked if he could get four cases of Bush, Bush Light? I don't even know what the hell that is. As they waited for Mark in the car, Tyler then told Ashley that his father had died. Ashley, who knew nothing about Tyler, assumed that his father passed away a while ago. They headed back to the party where the kids were playing water pong. Since what was that? Since they all had run out of beer, <laughs> water pong actually sounds like a good way to end a drunken night. One boy walked around selling white pills for a dollar each, and another kid was selling marijuana. At 12.45, Anthony showed up. Someone texted him that Tyler's party was the biggest thing ever, which is what Tyler wanted. He thanked Tyler for throwing such a fun party and asked, how, and asked him how... He'd been. Tyler replied that he was all right in a flat-toned voice. Shook knew something was up. He knew Tyler was an introvert, was introverted, a young boy who laughed at his own jokes and avoided eye contact. I mean, I laugh at my own jokes too, but I'm genuinely funny. I mean, in my mind, <laughs> my husband, on the other hand, might say I'm funny looking. All right, he's not listening. But that night, despite all the chaos, Tyler seemed perfectly calm. Then one boy took off his shirt <clears throat> and he ran out of the house screaming and he came back holding a mailbox over his head. Tyler then asked the kid where the heck he got the mailbox from and he responded, I took it off the neighbor's lawn. The boy proceeded to run around the living room with the mailbox, knocking beer bottles all over the floor and this is when Tyler started to actually lose his shit. Or his cool. <clears throat> After making his house a total teen free-for-all, Tyler finally started getting mad and he yelled about how stealing a mailbox was, this is kind of an, like, very irony. Tyler said it was a felony and the cops were going to come and someone quickly took, all, took the mailbox out of the house and returned to the street. Tyler says about this mailbox would be a felony, but Tyler, what you did, I mean, you're, you killed your parents. Come on. That's when Shook noticed something strange. The master bedroom door was actually locked, and Shook assumed that people were getting high in there and he wanted to join in, but the door was locked. The house was pretty dark, but he didn't, but he did notice a black smear beneath the door. It was maybe a foot long, and it was like oil paste oil-based paint that someone tried to wipe away unsuccessfully. Justin Wright, a soccer player at the high school, arrived at the party at 1.15. Where are y'all's parents that you're just coming up to somebody's house at 1.15 going, hey, I'm here for the party, first off. As soon as he walked in, he immediately noticed a stench. It kind of smelled of sweaty clothes that hadn't been washed in a while. Ew. The place was a wreck. The white beautiful floor, the white 
the beautiful white floor tiles were disgusting. A few picture frames were missing from the wall. And the dishes accumulated in the kitchen were smeared with remnants of instant mac and cheese. Not in the condition any parent would want to come home to, but Tyler was definitely not concerned about his mom or his dad. Justin asked Tyler if there were any house rules. Ooh, my phone just dropped. Rules, but it certainly didn't look like it. Tyler just told him to do whatever he wanted. Justin went to play a game of beer pong when the ball bounced on the floor and it rolled under the table where it got stuck in brown thick substance which remember like when people saw that on the keyboard they didn't think anything off he did it too he rinsed the ball off and then in the kitchen sink and then they just continued playing the game as mark andrews was heading out tyler's police anxiety was really starting to raise as he was leaving tyler asked if he could talk to him alone Tyler went outside and told all the kids in the yard to get back, back inside the house, still petrified that the neighbors would call the cops. After everyone was inside, Mark Tyler turned to Mark and said, Dude, I did some things. I might go to prison. I might go away for life. I don't know, dude. I'm freaking out right now. Mark was confused and asked Tyler what he did and why he would end up in prison. And that's when Tyler finally came clean to Mark. Like, basically, like, the first person I believe, like, he actually told. Dude, I know you aren't going to believe me. No one will believe me because he's did, he did say this multiple times, right? He said, I freaking killed somebody. Tyler confessed. Mark, being the great person he is, not really. Mark said he did not want to be a part of it by saying... Dude, you killing somebody is your own business. Don't be telling me that sort of thing. I don't need to know. But Mark was baffled and didn't really believe Tyler like a whole bunch of people just didn't see. Tyler then went back into the house and ran into 18-year-old Ricardo Afcido. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. He thanked Tyler for his hospitality and the beer. Tyler's chilling was chilling response was, I just wanted to do something fun before I left. Ricardo asked Tyler where he was going, to which he responded, I'm going to kill myself. When Ricardo asked him why, Tyler said he had done something bad. But how bad could it really be? Don't worry, Tyler told Ricardo. If I get caught, I'll be in jail for a long time. See, like, he knew about, like, he knew the consequences, Tyler. What are you doing? Tyler found Kimberly in his bedroom, a chubby, dark-haired, 20-year-old woman whose nickname was K-Nasty. She was pretty close to Tyler, and she lived two houses away from him. That was the chats we were leaving, talking about early, earlier. He told Kimberly he was going away for 60 years. When she asked him why, he told her she would find out tomorrow. And then he tells his best friend. At approximately 1 a.m., Tyler asked his best friend, Michael Mandel, if he would come speak with him privately outside. Michael had been Tyler's best friend since they were eight years old, and they were always together. They hung out for most of the party, but Tyler caught Michael as he was talking with some other kids and he immediately went outside to talk to Tyler. They walked to the end of the block where there was a stop sign. Tyler looked at Michael and confessed, I killed my parents. Michael's immediate response was, yeah, right. He didn't believe him. Tyler then said, I'm trying to tell you the truth. Michael, I'm real. Uh, He said, I'm not lying to you. If you look closely enough, you can see the signs. That's when Mike that's when he told Michael, "Look at the driveway." Michael noticed that there were two cars, his father's black Toyota Toyota Tomica, I think I pronounced it wrong, truck, and his mother's red Ford Expedition. If Tyler's parents were out of town, why would their cars still be there? 
How did he? How did they get there, right? Michael still couldn't fathom what he was hearing, so Tyler told him, "Look in the garage." After making sure no one was watching, Michael went into the garage and he turned on the light. He saw a bloody shot. A, I'm sorry, a bloody show that ran out immediately, shutting the door behind him. And then Tyler proved it. Tyler then brought Michael to the master bedroom, the door that was locked, where there were traces of blood on the door. Tyler unlocked the door and opened it, and Michael was shocked. He saw dining room chairs, towels, all soaked in blood on a huge pile. Emerging from the thick pile was a white leg. Ugh. Tyler then told Michael what happened just before 5 that afternoon. Tyler hid his parents' cell phones so they couldn't call for help. He turned on the song Feel Lucky by Little Boozy to pump himself up. Then he took three ecstasy pills because he was worried he wouldn't be capable of killing his parents if he were sober. And then Tyler found a claw hammer in the garage. And then he returned to the house, and his mother was working on the family computer, and he stood behind her for a full five minutes, thinking what he was about to do. With no remorse, he raised the claw end of the hammer to his mother's head, and she kept screaming, Why? When Tyler's dad, Blake, heard his wife's cry from help, he ran out of the master bedroom, the six foot one, three hundred pound father was a big man, but nothing prepared for what he saw. The father and son made eye contact, and he yelled, "Why?" And Tyler shouted, shouted back, "Why the fuck not?" He kept repeating this as he beat his father to death with the claw end of the hammer. Tyler mimicked the swinging of the hammer for Michael to see. Michael said that once that was over, he wrapped blankets. He wrapped blankets with his parents' head. His blankets with. Okay, he wrapped his parents' heads with blankets, and then he dragged their bodies into the master bedroom. The bodies were lying face down, side by side, and the hammer was on the floor between them. It took him about three hours to clean it up much longer than Tyler actually anticipated, which, Tyler, you really didn't do a good job if, you know, brown liquid stuff came everywhere. You just didn't do a job in my book. Then he gathered every piece of incriminating evidence and he threw it into the room. The corpses were buried underneath broken dishes, shattered glass, bloody towels, books, a coffee table, Clorox wipes, a sponge mop, and coffee grinds. Then Tyler took a shower, but he but what he did after was incredibly eerie. He started he stared at his own reflection and um, in the mirror and he laughed. He's got a demon in him. One of Tyler's friends, Max, was standing in the hallway outside the master bedroom when he saw Michael running out of the door freaked out. Max said that Michael looked deranged and was looking over both shoulders. However, Michael didn't actually leave the party right away. In fact, he stayed for another 45 minutes, and he actually ended up taking some selfies with Tyler. In one of his photos, which looks like the photo was, the photo was taken out of the garage, Michael was stern, defiant expression with his face, and Tyler holds up an orange solo cup, his eyes cold, and they look like they are filled with pain, fear, and horror. Which I'm looking at the photo now, and yeah, they do. And his friend looks like he's kind of wearing eyeliner, but that could just be his really nice eyelashes and stuff that I don't have. Just, it was just about 2 a.m. when somebody announced that there was another party happening at Mike Young's neighbor's house, and the kids ran outside, threw their drinks into the grass, and they got into the cars. Tyler ran after them, and Josh Court got into his car when someone slammed the window. Um, and it was Tyler. He was yelling and asking where everyone was going, and Josh explained that they were going to a different party. Oh, Tyler said relieved. Josh described Tyler's expression as just like a blank face, like he had on a blank face. Fourteen cars pulled out of Tyler's neighborhood. 
<clears throat> and they headed up to Prima Vista to Bayshore with Wiz Khalifa blasting out the car windows. They finally reached her destination, but the house was dark and quiet. A girl came out in her PJs saying that she was not throwing a party and it was just a rumor. The commotion of all these cars in the middle of the night was too much for Tyler's neighbors. Rayanne Wallace lived next door and had known Tyler ever since he was born. She really liked the Hadleys and she didn't have a problem with Tyler. She said he seemed to be a very happy kid. He was very respectful and polite. He enjoyed skateboarding, riding his bike, and throwing a football in the street. She once asked Tyler, do not throw the ball too close to her car, and he responded with, yes, ma'am. Whenever she and her husband left town for the weekend, she gave Tyler a little extra cash to watch over their house, which is nice. Um... Tyler actually was very, when he was younger, he seemed like he was relatively close to his parents. As a child, he would stay up late waiting for his father to get home after working the night shift at the power plant, and the two would play basketball in the driveway until midnight. Wallace said she always heard the Hadleys laughing and splashing in the pool on weekends. But once Tyler entered high school, the Hadley residence actually was much quieter. Tyler was always pretty quiet and hard to read, but now he is eccentric, unpredictable, and troubled. He had a bizarre personality, Cameron Adams said. He was really hyper. He was always trying to pull a crowd in the middle of a lesson. He would start laughing. He would just blurt stuff out. He randomly once started mooing like a cow in the middle of biology class. Dee Dee Mayard, another neighbor that wouldn't allow her son to play with Tyler since she caught the teenager smoking at River Park Wildlife Preserve nearby with a few other neighborhood kids. She was worried about his health or a potential forest fire, so she told Tyler's mom, and Mary Jo didn't seem concerned. She's like, he's smoking. He's out here freaking streaking down the street, okay? Um, but... That's not how she took it. That's how I would have took it. Mary Jo actually clapped back and she said, my son doesn't even smoke. Even when Mary said she literally saw him smoking, she didn't want to believe it, which I would be like, my kid doesn't smoke. My my kids can't do anything wrong and you can ask their father. <laughs> my kids, my kids in my eyes, they're the perfect children in the world. <laughs> he says that I'm what's wrong with them. He's lying. He's just, mm, he's just mad because kid, our kids like me better. Um, Tyler ended up actually lighting the River Park wildlife on fire two weeks later. He and a few other boys dragged an, un, an abandoned couch into the clearing and they poured gasoline all over it and they dropped a match. That's something my husband would do because when he was younger, he, um, you know, what did you do, babe, to your garage? You set it on fire? Yeah, see, my husband set his whole garage, sat one side of the wall, on fire, and his parents, for a punishment, they made him skip, skip school, not because it was for a fun day, they made him sand and fix the garage wall, which I think's funny. <laughs> I tell my kids, don't ever be like your father. The fire department actually had to be called, and these teens did get off of the warning, but it looked like the Hadleys had lost control of their youngest. It was a significant-sized fire said a neighbor they just did it for kicks but I guess there's nothing else to do here and I would have thought he'd been the type that probably would have hurt animals just for the heck of it well it's a big jump but after he murdered his parents hey um but then he said he actually would have never got the feeling that he would actually be capable of murdering anyone let alone his parents and this was all said by Donna in late April, about 10 weeks prior to his party, Tyler did get into a fight and was arrested for aggravated battery. Since he had a juvenile record, he was previously convicted of burglary, and he was sentenced up to a week in jail and two weeks of house, house arrest. Unsurprisingly, Mary Jo took away his cell phone. I never got in, arrested in high school, but if I had, my cell phone would probably be the least of my problems. I probably would be six feet in the ground right now and wouldn't be making a podcast. 
But this really didn't face Tyler though. He was just mad about the phone and he was actually still able to communicate through his phone, still able to communicate with his friends through Facebook since he had a laptop and his parents didn't take that away. After enjoying the party for a little longer, like I said, Michael did stay the extra 45 minutes. He then eventually did the right things and he called the cops. He explained why he took selfies with Tyler as a memory since he knew that was probably going to be the last time he was not going to see him. He was not going to see him in handcuffs. So if he ever went to visit Tyler, he always knew he'd have handcuffs. In 2014, Tyler Hadley was actually convicted and sentenced. In 2014, after multiple charges in his juvenile history, Hadley was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole, probably since there's that thing with the Constitution that you cannot um, charge a minor. Um, you can charge them. You can't sentence them life without parole because it is inhumane. And he is currently serving his time at Okeechobee, that's definitely wrong, Correctional Institute in Florida. And guys, you know, that is the story of Tyler Hadley. Um, I do, well, this took longer than what I thought it was going to be actually, guys. Um... We are, I have been following, I wanted to mention this um, when I uploaded on the 25th, I've been following the Gabby Petito story very, very closely. We are going to do a case on that. I'm, I read a couple articles that, you know, the body was found and it confirmed to be her. Um... It also, I also find crazy that her fiance or boyfriend or whatever he is, is now missing and now Dog the Bounty Hunter is in on the hunt. I definitely, my opinion, I think his parents, you know, helped him get away. That's my opinion. You're welcome to have your own. Um, and I think I read somewhere yesterday that her autopsy or whatever said that she was beaten to death. And you know what else is crazy? She um, listened to the Morbid podcast that I talk so much about. She actually listened to them. And her and her boyfriend like wanted to do a, like a van life type thing. And um, her boyfriend drove back to Florida with her van, not even his. And, you know, her parents reported her missing or something like that. I don't know it off by the top of my head. But I think her parents reported her missing and her boyfriend was like, oh, he like he came back and he like lawyered up. And now he's missing. So I've been paying very close attention to that. So we are going to do a case on that. Um, if you'd like to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at just a girl and true crime. You can also send me a Gmail at just a girl and true crime at gmail.com. You can follow my Facebook group at Just a Girl and True Crime. What else is there? We got the Facebook, the Instagram, Gmail. Maybe that's all. Oh, and also, I put a link if you want to become a subscriber where you can su subscribe donations. There is a link, I believe, that I saved it in my, like, where after I say what my podcast is about. You can click the link and you can be a donator if you want to. I'm not going to make you, but I would love you to. Thank you all for the support. I love you all so much. You're awesome. My podcast keeps growing by the minute and it is all because you lovely, lovely folks. My true kind gurus. Huh. Y'all just... These last two episodes, you guys have just been skyrocketing, like, and I'm so proud of it. Um, I think that's it. Um, if you, uh, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing next, so I'm gonna think about it. Maybe I'll throw, um, actually, you know what, we might do something around Halloween since it'll be October. When, probably the next time. I'm actually doing this two days early, so, like I said, I apologize if you've heard music or clicking in the background. Normally I podcast when everyone's sleeping, but I kind of was bored. And I was like, let me get this out. 
And guys, I think that's it. I'm about to go finish my other hand that I painted because I went to work with one hand painted and one hand not. I will be talking to you guys next time. Bye. HelloFresh, sponsor me.